Broadcasting to New York City, Los Angeles, Chicago, Sydney, London, and around the world, this is Trumpet Radio Live. Thanks for joining us here on Trumpet Radio Live on 101.3 KPCG. Coming up on this weekend edition, uh, look at some stories that are pretty interesting in the news. Lots happening, as there always is. We'll take a look at some of the top stories. Also, there's a new Key of David program, Trumpet Daily Radio Show, and of course, new content at thetrumpet.com. We'll take a look at some of that as well. And also, uh, one of the keys to uh, proving the authority of the Bible, to understanding it, we've been looking at a few of those. We're going to look at another one today, coming up on Trumpet Radio Live. This is Trumpet Radio Live. Thanks for joining us here on Trumpet Radio Live. We're at 101.3 KPCG and online at kpcg.fm and at thetrumpet.com. Live link there. I'm Dwight Falk, Grant Turgeon here on this uh, weekend edition of Trumpet Radio Live. If you would like to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at kpcgfm. And if you have any emails to send in, send those to comments at kpcg.fm. Big headline, Grant. The uh, big story that's happening is uh, the Russian uh, scandal, I guess, if you want to call it that. Michael Flynn, Trump's ex-national security advisor, is uh, going to plead guilty, they say, to lying to the FBI. So um, I'm no legal expert, but uh, I don't think you want to lie to the FBI. I think that's a problem. That's been, a, that's been a, I guess, an ongoing story, and it's finally coming out here. But it, didn't he, quite a while ago basically acknowledged that he lied to the president if nothing else uh, that's why he got fired in the first place am i i'm thinking of the right guy aren't i you know it's it's all there's <laughs> so much happening uh well i don't know if there's so much happening but there's so much press about it that uh it's it, there's just a lot of details this the latest though on this situation here with michael flynn is that he's accused of falsely claiming that he had not asked russia's ambassador uh to the united states uh, last December 29th to, quote, uh, refrain from escalating the situation in response to sanctions that the United States had imposed against Russia that same day. Then President Barack Obama had announced those sanctions along with the expulsion of 35 Russian diplomats. You may remember that in relation uh, or sorry, retaliation against the Kremlin for interfering with the 2016 presidential election. They've been interfering with things for a while, but sure, we can look at that. Uh, Flynn also allegedly lied by telling the FBI, quote, he did not recall the Russian ambassador subsequently telling him that Russia had chosen to moderate its response uh, to those sanctions as a result of his request. So a leading criminal defense lawyer not connected to the case, so (laughs) I guess doesn't know too much, but anyway, a leading criminal defense lawyer, told CNBC that Flynn's plea is, quote, a very big deal, and they said it's the beginning of the end. So I'm not sure what they what the end is, if they think it'll come back to the president himself or what. But anyway, I, I would just say this. Um, go to thetrumpet.com and check out What You Should Know About the Uranium One Scandal by Stephen Flurry. That'll give you a little insight into uh, some of the really big things happening with Russia. Yeah, he basically Michael Flynn just said like a couple things to a Russian representative and he already lost his job for it 
because he lied to the president about it. But now it sounds like it's way worse. Don't you don't you more uh, instantly fear for him when you f- you find out that he's also lied to the FBI? Lying to the president is one thing, but it seems like there are much bigger consequences for lying to a law enforcement agency of that sort. The uh, the media you can you can almost see the the like the smiling and the jubilation oh boy. behind the reporting. They're just <laughs> they're they're thrilled about this every day. I. You know, you get, I get emails, I think a lot of people do, that show you some of the top headlines or if you go check out some news sites. And if, they, if they're if they a left-leaning site, which a lot of them are, um, you know, every day there's story after story after story about impeachment and this and that and the other. And I don't know. So far, they haven't uh, they haven't got a whole lot. But, but there, there is a lot to look at when you think about Russia. But again, uh, here's the important news. What you should know about the Uranium One scandal has been uh, covered on the Trumpet Daily Radio Show there's and uh, the Trumpet Hour, and there's also some uh, write-ups at thetrumpet.com. Uh, that's a huge, huge deal. You know, Russia is is very much involved in things. But, you know, it's it's interesting when they start probing around. It's like, well, where do you want to stop with your probe? Because um, er, you, you can look at a lot of politicians over the years. You can look at uh, both political parties. Uh, you know, this this all feels like a very specific sort of witch hunt, if you want to call it that, to try to knock a few people out. But if you want to be honest, I bet there's a lot of people that uh, have done a few things that would not be uh, uh, honest, as they say. There are definitely two Russia stories here, one involving Republicans and another one involving Democrats. The one about the Republicans has been covered very heavily for at least a year now, if not much longer. And it involves saying a couple things out of place, I guess, or maybe not being entirely truthful about things that you've said. Then you have the one about the Democrats where they're literally selling 20% of America's uranium to the Russians, and yet it's not talked about, it's not seen as a huge scandal like it should be by the media. I mean, really the priorities are so off base. They are selling uh, materials for nuclear weapons to Russia. That's such a way bigger scandal than saying a couple words out of place. And the money came back to the uh, Clinton Foundation, at least some of it did. Yeah, so pay to play once again. That's yeah. another issue where Bill Clinton got five hundred thousand dollars for a speech involved with that. Yeah, and that's all covered really well at the trumpet there. So make sure you look at that. Good to get some some perspective on what's going on with Russia and some of the scandals there, because you're you're just going to hear a lot this weekend about uh, this uh, this newest uh, charge there by Michael Flynn or against Michael Flynn, I guess, or him admitting to lying. Could you imagine though if we all face those types of repercussions for lying how many of those media members would be in huge trouble for lying when that's what they do for their job they lie all the time on the air to millions of people who believe them and they're not getting investigated by the fbi or fired for their job from their jobs yeah well absolutely um they would just say it's an opinion piece (laughs) well maybe that's what he should say it was just when i was talking to the fbi it was it was an opinion piece (laughs) You know, I presented it like fact, but it was, in, but actually, it was just my opinion. Right, it's an opinion piece, so nothing to see here. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about the media here coming up in just a minute. An interesting write up about that. And again, who who is uh, being held accountable? Uh, the U.S. economy. It's been about ten years uh, since we had the Great Recession, if you remember that. Uh, and so there's a write up from uh, CNN Money about. Uh, the, how's the economy doing after 10 years? And there's some positive numbers they look at, but there's also some, some uh, things that aren't great, and here's a few of those things. They say participation rates for prime-age workers remain depressed. 
uh, with large numbers of people sidelined by the opioid addiction, if you can believe that. Low wages that make work less attractive and the high cost of child care that keeps women in particular at home. So even though the unemployment numbers are low, they are pretty low, the participation number is also very low. And some of the reasons that, that they're low are um, shocking. I mean, I know there's an opioid issue, but there's enough people on opioid that are addicted to opioids that it's affecting the uh, the numbers of who's working. That's an amazing uh, statement. Yeah, that really is. I mean, that's that's probably talking about millions of people then who who are not even really considered as a potential part of the workforce because they are just crippled by this addiction. They're totally um, sidelined, I guess. I mean, they're not even a potential worker anymore. Yeah, that's uh, I, it, it is a crisis, obviously, but boy, that's uh, I didn't know it was that big of a affecting that much of the population. Yeah. Uh, they say the median household's net worth dropped by forty percent between two thousand and seven and two thousand and thirteen, and uh, it's recovered, but only slightly uh, by twenty sixteen. So there's a lot of uh, I guess wealth that had been lost there. Uh, they also say uh, it's no surprise that people aren't back to where they were in two thousand and seven. But incredibly striking is that we haven't gotten back to where we were 20 years ago, according to Harvard University economics professor Karen Dynan. And uh, even uh, more so because people have gotten older and closer to retirement. So even though there are some indicators that would say the economy is doing somewhat better, um, there's a lot of uh, foundational issues there. And they don't even mention the, the national debt or individual debt either, but uh uh, even though there are some positive signs, the foundational elements, I think, of the economy still have a lot of problems. It really does seem like a lot of the time when uh, we hear people saying that the economic outlook is rosy or positive, uh, they're just talking about things that are on the surface that might cover up the deeper issues. I mean, people still are carrying around gigantic debt. They still are uh, jumping into a housing market that could once again become a bubble and burst uh, pretty easily. I mean, it just happened less than a decade ago. The same mistakes are being repeated, so we have to then expect uh, the same types of catastrophes to take place as well. The housing market is uh, gone way up. It is, I think, at all-time highs. So <laughs> anytime you see, you hear or read all-time highs, um, I tend to think bubble because <laughs> <Yep. laughs> they, they usually don't last there too long. Uh some people are, are getting back in, some people aren't, and the credit, I think, is a little bit tighter than it used to be for some, and so, but then again, even that, you know, you hear that brought up in terms of it being a racial issue, and it's, I don't think, I think banks are concerned about green. <laughs> exactly. I think that's the only color they're interested in as far as credit worthiness and so forth, but the, uh, anyway, those are some numbers with the economy. Ten years, it's amazing to spend that long. I remember, obviously, I think we all do, um, when that big recession hit. And uh, it's amazing. It's been 10 years since then already. Yeah, it, that has gone by really fast. I mean, that that was obviously huge news, and it affected nearly everyone in the entire country. And looking at the way we're living now and the way that things seem to have improved, uh, it's almost like people have forgotten what just took place so recently. Yeah, those uh, the debt numbers are, again, there's other stories where the personal debt is rising uh, a lot. And, and people... You know, some people did get pretty shaken by the recession and say, "Man, I need to um, look at uh, my, you know, my personal finances here." And made some improvements, but now people get a little more comfortable. And and then even in this write up, it said that 
uh, people were pretty positive. They felt like, oh, things are going to get better, and so it's easy to start spending and doing that. And uh, but uh, again, that uh, the debt is a major issue. Uh, here's a really interesting write-up. This is from the Hill. It's talking about media. And the title is Google, Facebook, and Drudge, What the New Titans of Media Mean for America. And they make the point that years ago, people got their news from what you'd consider big media, the the uh, newspapers, uh, a few television networks, and uh, maybe a magazine or two. And there was a few gatekeepers of information. There always are. But in those cases, they were journalists, I guess, somewhat respected, and uh, people <clears throat> people knew who they were. So... If you got information that you didn't agree with, you thought, well, that wasn't very good, you know who was responsible for it. With these new websites uh, that are really people are getting their information from, people don't really know who's responsible for the information that gets out there. Yeah, and, and that's that's really a, obviously a new phenomenon, uh, of course, with the Internet only gaining prominence in the last couple of decades and uh, the media landscape expanding like it has and, and much of that, obviously, is just because people are losing trust in the main few big television networks or the main couple of newspapers that used to always provide the news. If those uh, different outlets were doing their job, you wouldn't then be turning to websites where you just have no idea uh, if they're reputable or not. Yeah, there's just a handful of elite websites that most people are going to, the top four, respectively, Google, Facebook, Twitter, and Drudge. <laughs> now, you would think... And Drudge is the only one that maybe is more conservative. Um, but if you were to believe the other media, you'd think Drudge was like this massive thing. And they do get a lot of traffic, but it's not anywhere close to what Google, Facebook, and Twitter get. And those they all lean left in their reporting. And that's they try to say that they don't, but that's where it gets interesting because these, these news sites, they're just putting up other stories in most cases and kind of taking a hands-off like, oh, yeah, we're just putting up whatever's trending. But... As they found out, there are people there behind the algorithms, writing the algorithms, determining what trends. Who are those people? And that's right. what people are wondering. Yeah, and, and that's interesting that those four sites all are pretty similar in that they collect news articles from different sources and put them all in one place for you to find. That, that type of uh, media, though, that type of getting your news it definitely is guided by people who are deciding what what is gathered on those sites and that's why people are probably curious about that there have been some issues where people at facebook have manipulated results or uh even on youtube which is i I believe part of google isn't it so yeah it it definitely you have to (laughs) you have to wonder how uh reputable or how trustworthy these people curating the news are yeah This write-up says people going, well, they say 45% of Americans indicate they now get some of their news from Facebook. Mm. So they've got a huge piece of the pie, almost half the pie. (laughs) (laughs) A little little math. Uh, That says that means these news consumers are increasingly influenced by digital, uh, these digital sites whose methods for news referrals are mysterious and for which there is little accountability. And they say one must wonder if news consumers are better informed on matters of substance or if their heads are filling up with mush. Mm. I think it's mainly mush. That should be a new website, (laughs) mainlymush.com. Yeah, I don't like the idea of people deciding, uh, you know, what news you get to see and what news gets pushed 
further down the page or further down your feed, uh, there has to be a way of just across the board, whatever is getting looked at the most could be at the top instead of people deciding what's important and then that getting put at the top and uh, by extension, obviously, it's going to get read the most since it was automatically put there. That doesn't seem like uh, the most honest way of doing things. They give many examples in this piece of the policies of the left being pushed by Facebook, Twitter, and Google in particular. And uh, digital executives explain that search results and referrals are generated by computer algorithms, which is nice to say. Well, it's the algorithm. I don't know what to tell you. But as they point out, and as we just mentioned, uh, somebody programmed the algorithm. It didn't just come out of nowhere. <laughs> and it's amazing how all the, the stuff from the, the left really gets to the top. It's <laughs> just amazing how that works. They say uh, where the left is able to where the left is able to rely on tech giants, the right has just one place to look for news, and that's the Drudge Report, which gets about 30 million visitors each day. But that's a fraction of the more than 1 billion who visit Facebook. And so there's a battle against Drudge, you know, by the more of the left-leaning media, but uh, the left's winning. They're winning the information war when it comes to Facebook and places like that. Yeah, they, every every place where they have a lot of control over what people see, they do tend to dominate. I mean, uh, TV is another example of that, where they have control of all the big networks that broadcast the news, all the big networks that even if you don't have a TV package, you're going to get the local channels that are obviously going to be the big news channels. Uh, but when it's more like a free market approach, like on radio, uh, conservatives tend to dominate that. Uh, if it's more of a capitalistic way of doing things or simply what the people want to hear or read being put at the top without someone else manipulating it, conservatives tend to win that every time. That's why that's why you see the left really trying to control the different outlets of news so that they can manipulate people. They're making one effort to try to balance this out, but I don't think it's going to do much. They say one effort to uh, the, the end of, or to that end of, you know, making it a little more uh, fair, I suppose, as to what news you read, is an initiative from the Marcula Center for Applied Ethics at Santa Clara University called the Trust Project. Its objective is to create a system by which news articles circulated online will have icons attached that consumers can click to find out the background of the news source. Clicking on the icon will provide readers with, a, with trust indicators to help consumers assess the professional standards of those news organizations. The bad news, they say, search engines and social media platforms will be partnering in the effort. It's a noble undertaking, they write, to be sure, but having the digital power brokers referee the process could be like having baseball players call their own balls and strikes. <laughs> Can, oh, that's trustworthy. That's what Facebook thinks. <laughs> that's what Google thinks uh, or Drudge or whoever. Of course, they're going to the, the, the articles they want to promote or push, they're going to say, well, it's trustworthy and they're an expert. Of course, they're going to say that. That really doesn't sound like a great idea. And so that's probably a lesson for all of our listeners and just for news watchers in general, just just go to as many sources as you can. Obviously, uh, we believe the trumpet.com should be the people's top choice. But then beyond that, try to try to get perspectives of all different, uh, I guess, outlooks and, and don't just uh, 
be be swept along with whatever Facebook is trying to feed you. There are a lot of different sources that Google or Facebook or Twitter would never push to the top, and yet they have some really good things, and a lot of the time they tend to be more conservative sources, so they're stifled. You don't want to depend on people who manipulate what you're seeing uh, for your news. People are really interested in trying to crack the algorithms of uh, how do you, how do you get placement at the top? And there might be something to it, but there's also, I think the biggest thing to it, just from a common sense standpoint and from reading some articles like this is somebody decides, they decide what they want to be up at the top. And so they, however they write their algorithms, uh, they do it so that the, the, you know, it's like what, if somebody went to the casino, well, the casino is rigged to win. (laughs) (laughs) They've rigged it. So they win most times. Uh, whoever is in control is going to rig the system to work out in their favor according to their ideology. The idea that it's just, uh, you know, it's a free-for-all and it's, you know, whatever people like is at the top doesn't happen that way. And like you mentioned, talk radio is a great example of that. Uh, More conservative-leaning talk radio programs are the most popular, and it's not even close. I can't even think of a a liberal one. They all went out of business, didn't they? Air America or whatever. uh, But yet, if you go and look on the Internet, it's the other way. Is that because that's what people want or that's what's being pushed at them? Is it the mush? (laughs) Um, It's an interesting thought. Yeah, and an obvious example of that is if you've ever tried to type Donald Trump into the Google search engine, you get like a thousand things that are extremely negative before you find one thing that's positive. I tried that just for fun one time just to see what it would be like if that were the only way that you read the news if you just if you just went from the top of the page to the bottom and you just kept going page to page how how long would it take before you get maybe a balanced perspective or a non-opinion piece about the president of the united states it is pretty pretty stunning to do something like that and see how biased all those results are if you were to get a story that was just slightly negative that would be a breath of fresh air wouldn't it because some of the headlines that that uh that i see just on some of the main sites and mostly their opinion pieces is just wild accusations, you know, because of this and this, you know, the psychologist says that he has dementia and should be removed immediately from office. You know, it's just all kinds of weird things out there. Uh, and then they even brought out in this, uh, this write up from the Hill, how during the, the 2016 campaign there, uh, if you, if you typed in anything about that, all the pro Hillary Clinton articles. You'd have to you'd have to dive deeply into those before you could ever get to anything about any of the other contenders. Um, you know, you want to talk about collusion? <laughs> uh, there's some collusion there somewhere. Absolutely. And are we really going to be so naive as to say that no one is influenced by the way that those search reser- results turn out? Obviously, people are going to see that and be like, "Well, I mean." Donald Trump must be some sort of a, an evil person if that's how all the so- search results are, especially if they're living in a different country and they're not as familiar with what's going on here day to day. People around the world, if they're using Google, are only going to think of Donald Trump as a really bad person. Well, I think the big victim, if you want to say that, or the big casualty in, in, in some of the way that media is presenting things is the truth gets destroyed. Because it forces people, I think, into very divisive camps, mm-hmm. very divided camps. Um, and so where people are, they're going to take a stand for what they think, even if it's maybe a little extreme because they're just sick of the other side pushing. And that goes with both sides. And so I think, what about the truth of the matter, though? Like, I don't care if it's pro or it's against. Or I just you want the truth of the matter. 
and that's hard to find. Yeah, and I think the the media has done a really bad job of simply doing their job, which is to report the news. I mean, the amount of snarky headlines that you see now, they, they give away their point of view right away. And that's regardless of if they're an opinion writer or not. It, it, they're all they're all just injecting opinion right into the headline. That's why I could go through those Google search results in a matter of minutes and see that the first thousand or couple thousand are negative because the headlines give it away. They're not just reporting what is taking place, which a lot of us probably would like it to get back to that so that you don't have to sift through all of people's opinions. I don't care what a random reporter who lives in Washington, D.C. has to say about something. I want to know what actually happened. Yeah, and I think they they look they look at the uh, the numbers as to what people do on the internet, and most of those numbers show that people don't stick around long. Mm-hmm. They're not going to sit there and read your five page write up, or or less than that even. But they are going to see the headline, mm-hmm. and I think that's why they're injecting their, you know, so you can get the headline, you get the point. Oh, okay, I shouldn't like this person, or I shouldn't like this policy, or I shouldn't. This is the way I should feel about this. Because no one's going to bother reading it, in most cases, just based on the numbers, to even find out, is there any substance to this? Is there any truth to this? You know, that would be a really interesting test, wouldn't it? You put up a bunch of headlines, and then if you click on it, there's literally nothing there. And to see if anybody notices, that right. would be really interesting to see. Oh, and, and I'm sure it would be pretty bad. I mean, I've seen a lot of comment sections that immediately give away that the people who are commenting never read the article. So it's kind of a similar idea as to what you were saying people will read the headline get their information from that and then they'll start stating their opinion on the issue despite not having read any of the article at all that is that is disturbing and it shows you how easy it is to uh mess with people and, and and manipulate what they're uh reading i mean how hard is it to just say president trump went on a 12 day trip to asia uh, here's the leaders he met with. Here's what he discussed, and not have to write some snarky negative comments in parentheses all throughout the article. I, I mean, I think a lot of people are sick of those types of things. And those comment sections and they they go off the rail usually really <laughs> quickly or off the rails to where they they're arguing about things that aren't even related to the article. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I think people, they, I don't know, I, some people must just like arguing i uh i don't know arguing is not fun it just it's negative and it makes everybody feel bad yeah. but you just see that you're going back and forth sometimes you look at it and you think what was this article about you know <laughs> and i don't read a lot of comments on articles sometimes sports maybe because i'm kind of interested on people's different takes on a sporting mm-hmm. issue or something but the other stuff just gets so negative yeah a couple other quick little headlines here uh this is pr newswire uh smartphone addiction creates an imbalance in the brain they took a look at uh People uh, actually scan their brains when they're, quote-unquote, addicted to smartphones, so they use them a lot. I don't know exactly where that line is. Uh, 46% of Americans say they couldn't live without it. So, um, and uh, But they have found that it causes some side effects for people, including uh, drowsiness and anxiety when uh, they're on their phones or the Internet too much, and it actually changes some of the, the chemical uh, balancing there in the brain. Yeah, and some clear proof of that is actually at the front page of the trumpet.com right now about that uh the teen suicide rate going up based on how much they're using their smartphones i mean that just proves it right there doesn't it if your suicide rate is going up obviously the smartphones are changing something in the brain 
to allow people to make that type of decision. The proof is right there. Anxiety and drowsiness uh, combined as well, that's a pretty terrible thing. You, you feel worried all the time, but you're tired all the time. Uh, you can't go to sleep because you're worried, but you still kind of want to. I mean, that's just a miserable way to live. And of course, like that that headline at the trumpet says, it could get as extreme as even suicide. Right. Uh, for younger people there in particular, because uh, again, yeah, if you have a lot of anxiety, a lot of it being driven by constantly being on some of these devices, uh, and then for the young people, I think especially their social world really is sort of an online world in a lot of cases. And as we've talked about before, uh, you used to be able to detach from that. You know, even if you didn't maybe didn't like a particular class in school because of, you know, an interaction with a student or something, you maybe had that a couple times a week and or five times a week, depending, and then you could go on with the rest of your life. But now the back and forth on the Internet and people being involved in all these uh, just, just social worlds online that never, never stops. It's 24-7. And so you could, I could see how just regular anxiety, say it's for a young person especially, now you magnify that through the, the, the nonstop social media world, and it could really do some damage, and I think it is. Yeah, when I was younger, I didn't particularly, particularly enjoy going to public school too much, especially when it got to the high school level. And once classes ended on Friday and once baseball practice was over, I was practically like jumping for joy to go away from that environment for the entire weekend. I couldn't imagine then deciding once I got home that I was going to go online and be around that the entire rest of the time. And yeah, that's basically what you're seeing. Even people who are miserable at school are hooking up online and and getting involved with people not 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 hooking up in that sense, but like they're constantly connected with everyone that they couldn't stand being with in person at school and it's almost like that just totally defies common sense yeah and that unfortunately for social media it's typically especially for the younger people it's a lot of either hey look at what i did or people then saying you're not as great as you think you are (laughs) so it's it's a pretty bad dynamic and a, a pretty negative one there and uh and even i suppose even if somebody themselves isn't that much on it you know you come to school the next day and hey did you know we saw what somebody said about you on the internet. Yeah, boy, that would yeah. just be rough. I feel for the young people because they're in those uh, situations. I, there's some kids in my neighborhood that I always pass by every day. They're waiting to get on the bus. They always look really excited. Uh, <laughs> no, no, they don't. But they're uh, <laughs> they're dutifully standing there waiting to get on the bus. Uh, and in most cases, they're uh, on their phones. You know, yeah. they're looking at something. Yeah, and and I know that obviously the young people would get really angry at their parents if their parents ever took those devices away. But long term. If, if parents did do that to them, they would be very thankful because it is a form of enslavement, especially when you're that young and you haven't learned how to control those types of influences as well yet. And you're constantly being bombarded with, like you said, either uh, false images of people's supposedly perfect lives or you're being bullied and ridiculed online. That's not something that you want to deal with all the time and, and then try to live a normal life on top of that. Yeah. So that's a good write-up on the trumpet.com, as you mentioned, about uh, some of that today. And uh, when I was young, we just wanted a scientific calculator. <laughs> you get a scientific. Look at all the buttons. What does it do? Who knows? Look at all the equations you could solve. Yeah. I used to think those were really neat, and then I um, had a uh, math class in college where we had a whole section on just using the scientific calculator. 
And, uh, you know, you think of a calculator as giving you the answer, and it does, but it was so complex to get there. I, I, I just laughed at that class. I remember thinking, I used to think, like, if you brought a calculator into class, it was, like, cheating. Right. And I don't want anything to do with this thing because I can't figure out what buttons to push and what order. Uh, the whole test was the calculator, so it yeah. wasn't as exciting as I thought it was. Yeah, you have to know a lot to be able to input the right things and get the answer back from it. It's not, it's not a matter of, like, two yeah. times two. No. Bring in, bring in the, what, those abacus where you just push the beads across. <laughs> yeah. Bring me the abacus. That's probably really complex, too. Uh, <laughs> one other uh, quick headline here. Uh, in the U.S., they say 57% of kids are on track for obesity by 35, according to a new study. Uh, even some kids that are in what they would consider the normal weight uh, are on track for that. And, of course, uh, obesity leads to a lot of very, very serious health problems. So uh, what are they going to do? I don't know. You'd, they'd have to make some fundamental changes to the way people live. And, uh, you know, it, it's like anything. It feels like the trend of the way people are living their lives is just going downhill. And how do you change it and get it going the other way? Uh, you know, I'm sure they'll have some school initiatives or something. But the kids are really caught up in, in uh, you know, whether it be the Internet or their smartphones or video games, poor diet, not a lot of physical activity. Where do you expect to be? You're going to be obese. Yeah, that's really true. And the first thing I I thought of was um, the parents' responsibility in that. If if the kids are allowed to carry a smartphone around with them all the time, and if they're allowed to come home to the latest video game system and play that for hours as soon as they're done with school, uh, I don't think a lot of people are going to end up using any of their free time to play outside or to even collect their thoughts and think about important things. That's That's not ever going to happen if you have these electronics that you're constantly able to hook into and what does that lead to obviously it it hurts your posture just craning craning your neck down to look at the phone or slouching on the couch to play the video game of course that whole time you're not really moving you're you're sitting in one place and that's going to lead to the obesity as well it's just a it's a pretty bad way to start off your life when you're when you should have all this energy and barely be able to sit still and you should just be bursting to try to go outside and play with friends what they're doing now is turning to the screens and sitting in one place yeah and as a young person uh if you have the option to play a game that's obviously very captivating and to eat food that is immediately more i don't know gives you more of a kick (laughs) (laughs) uh you need somebody there older and wiser to say i know you want to do this thing but it's going to be better for you to do this other thing long term and then make them do it because nobody nobody's going to be you know a young person and, and and make those right choices probably on their own if they have things in front of them that are immediate that are accessible that give them a, a thrill who's going to say no nay to that i shall think about my you know future when i'm 35 so the parents do have to be there and really get the ball go- going the right way exactly because children don't really have a sense of uh, reality until they start getting older and they're about to move out because they don't have to worry about a job or paying bills or raising their own family. They're not worried about developing to that point because it's so far away in their minds. They have to be uh, led and they have to be prepared for that future by parents who are involved, parents who are willing to spend time with their children and know what their children are getting up to instead of letting them lock themselves away in their room with their TV and all their other gadgets. Well, there's an easy solution for that. You just never move out. (laughs) Yeah.
One in one in no th- responsibilities. One in three uh, of uh, working age that are a little younger there in their twenties are living with mom and dad, according to the new stats. So, well, it's you, probably those parents' fault because if 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 you let your child live that way the entire time up until they're eighteen and older, uh, how can you then expect them to flip a switch and be a be a contributing member of society? Yeah. It's it's got to be the parents' fault, and they're they're very much to blame if they're allowing their children to stay in the house for that long. Yeah. The uh, Trumpet.com today. Check out uh, the top story, America's Greatest Defeat, Iran's Victory. That's by Trumpet Editor-in-Chief Gerald Flurry. A lot going on there in Iran. We don't hear a lot about it in the media. We should hear a lot more. Uh, also, another really good story uh, that uh, was featured uh, a day or so ago, but it's on there and you need to read it, is The Antidote to Toxic, quote, Toxic Masculinity. It's by Joel Hilliker and Brad McDonald, a, a tag team article. And uh, <laughs> I never know how people uh, write in tandem, but uh, you know, you see piano players play like two of them at one time. <laughs> Similar thing. <laughs> um, I, from my experience, like I, I'll write something, and then someone else will come in and just like add three times more to it, <laughs> and like change most of what I wrote as well. Yeah, so that's that's my experience with it. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to get in on that, but I'll just come up with the titles. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then you write the rest of it. <laughs> But a really important article, especially considering what's going on these days. Uh, sex scandals highlight a massive problem, they say, but we can't solve it unless we correctly define it. And, of course, they're attacking uh, masculinity. And it's a great article. You need to read through it. Just one little blurb here that's interesting. It says, uh, ultimately, being masculine means using the power of God to conquer selfish human nature, to submit to God's will, and to fulfill the responsibilities that come with being a man. The idea of masculinity in uh, modern society is not uh, what the Bible defines masculinity as. There may be a few things where it's, there's a similarity, but uh, uh, so there's this attack against this quote-unquote toxic masculinity. And really, if you want, if we want to solve all these problems, we need to get back to what the Bible says about masculinity. And as they point out here, it's uh, to uh, conquer selfish human nature and um, submit to God's will, which would mean keeping His commandments. Which, if you keep God's commandments, uh, just simply, that's love towards others and love towards God. You wouldn't have any of the problems you have. If men were really men, as the Bible defines it, you wouldn't have any problems in these workplaces. Yeah, I guess what you could say is the funny part of this is that there, the actual solution is so far the opposite of what they're proposing, which is to get rid of supposedly toxic masculinity. What we need is three or four billion truly masculine men on the planet uh like a total overload of masculinity for these people who think that you should just get rid of all of it you you need to have real men who have character who are uh sensitive toward women and children who who love them and want to protect them and provide for them and and lead them that's you know men who are following the biblical roles that's that's what we're talking about here if if men just start to uh, become effeminate and weak and let women be in charge and children be in charge, things get turned upside down. Uh, men then turn to other, I guess, uh, pleasures or wrong pursuits because they don't have that motivation of leading a family anymore like uh, we're all wired to do. Yeah, and really, if you, you trace back this uh, rise in feminism, which is really just being the under the undercutting of the man's role, you, you that's why we're where we're at today because you know uh men have been undercut in so many ways and have undercut themselves too in the in the home in the family and so now you have a a, a group of guys apparently uh maybe a generation that their number one concern is well I'm going to go out and get what I want 
because no, you know, I don't care about the family anymore because that's been destroyed. So there's just this innate selfishness, and you can see it in uh, the unemployment. You can see it in you know all the stories about people not wanting to grow up until they're much, much older, instead of getting out there and getting going and getting a job and getting a family, they're just, so oh, I just want to do what I want to do. Well, they've been doing what they wanted to do in Hollywood and in the workplace and so on, and now uh, these are the results of it. Exactly, and, and you mentioned how femini- uh, or feminism actually does tear down the man's role. Uh, so does pretty much every trend in society now, and that's why you have a whole group of men like you talked about who are turning to pornography, they're turning to money and physical things to please them. Uh, They're not wanting to have anything to do with women because they think that, uh, well, they have have wrong views on women and they're very bitter about what the societal trends are. Uh, That's that's what you have when uh, feminism or takes over. (laughs) It's a pretty dangerous trend there. And what happens when men then turn to pornography and mass. I mean, we're seeing it right now. Yeah. If you're told you have no place in this, in a family, mm-hmm. you know, and you, you're, uh, the, the laughing stock of the family, well then they don't care about the family. Right. And, <laughs> and then you've got all these problems. So there's a lot, a lot to think about there and a very important, uh, write up there at the trumpet.com, the antidote to toxic masculinity. Uh, I was, uh, my wife and I were just talking about some of these topics last night and I said, you know, it's, it's getting to the point where you really have to, to like dig your heels in and stand up and, and be, you know, just very strong to just do the things that used to be considered normal to live a normal life based on God's word, because there's such a push against that, that you, you have to make a concerted effort to try to live by the word of God, because everything else is just pushing back against it. Yeah, that is, that is so true. And it is, it is a frustrating thing to see just that if you have, I guess what they would think is the gall to want to lead a family, to want to be the provider while your wife stays home and takes care of the children and, and makes it a nice living environment. Well, that is a horrible thing, apparently, and you need to be corrected for that. You need to examine your own male privilege and your potential to be a sexual predator. I mean, that's what they're saying now, too, is that every person who is biologically a male can be a sexual predator. That's the most insane thing you've ever heard, and yet that is what is being pushed as a normal viewpoint now. Uh, it's mentioned on the Trump Daily Radio Show today, too, just uh, uh, a few news items, but also related to this uh, this uh, ongoing crisis, I guess, if you want to call it that, in America. And there's an ad that uh, Mr. Stephen Fleury mentions. I saw it, too, uh, where the, I think it's Minnesota or somewhere. And basically, they're running for a few offices there and uh, saying, hey, vote for me. I'm not a man. I mean, that, that's the, and it's it's pretty graphic, actually. I don't want to say what it actually says, but that's the point. Like, well, hey, l- at least I won't go around attacking people. Vote wow. for me, because I'm not a man. And that's where it's going, to where you are, you're going to be guilty just for being a male. And that's a, well, what kind of a society are we heading towards? Yeah, and the thing is, you're never going to change the biological reality that nearly every man is going to be physically larger and stronger than nearly every woman. That's always going to be the case. Uh, but if you don't have the right things in the minds of those men, what is stopping them from abusing women who are going to be easy victims of most men? If, you, if you're if you talking about every man being a sexual predator, that's incredibly inaccurate. But 
if that man's mind is filled with the wrong images and the wrong types of ideas, then yes, he very well could be victimizing women. The the point is you have to you have to control the minds. The minds have to be changed. The 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 things that we're putting in our minds, uh, a lot of these a lot of these men, it's just disgusting, and that's why they're trying to act out these uh, evil lusts in real life. Yeah, it would be a fascinating um, study if if they actually looked at the real numbers on it. Uh, if you had a, a young man that was raised by a strong father who respected his wife and taught them to respect the mother and so forth, uh, I, I don't think you'd have many problems there. It would be the real odd situation where there was a problem there because they were taught. It's not that they need not that men need to be educated about toxic masculinity. They need to be educated by men on how to be a real man according to what God's word says. Then you won't have any more problems. Very true. And how many of those uh, people being accused right now uh, have have kept their lives pure, have, have only had their wives as a partner, have make, made sure that they stayed out of those situations where they could easily be accused, have kept themselves uh, free and clean from any type of uh, pornographic material? I mean, all these, all these people are putting themselves in the wrong situations, filling their minds with the wrong things. Maybe they're not having the right upbringing, like you say. That's extremely important. Uh, it, it really, it, it just, it's pretty obvious what causes people to become sexual predators. It's not a matter of what you are biologically. It's did you have a father who led you the right way? Have you kept yourself away from the wrong types of influences and the wrong types of situations? If not, there's a good chance that you could go horribly off course. Yeah, it's really uh, interesting. And as has been pointed out all week on the Trumpet Daily, go back and listen to it if you haven't heard it already, is that you know they're trying to find solutions to these problems, but the one thing that they refuse to do is look at what the Bible says. And so inevitably, your, your problems, your, your quote, the quote-unquote solutions are going to be worse than the problems. <laughs> And that's just the way it continues to go. Well, what does the Bible say? It says it says not even to look at a woman lustfully, much less act on it. So if, if men are actually obeying what the Bible says, we would not even be anywhere close to allegations of sexual harassment, sexual assault, or rape. Mm-hmm. That's a two-way street as well. Yeah. There's a command in there for uh, women also. Yeah. Uh, there's a new Key of David program coming up this uh, weekend, the Key to Unlocking Revelation. The book of Revelation is horribly misunderstood by most people today. Uh, but you can learn the one and only key to unlocking this book. It's uh, on the radio today and this weekend. Also, the video is at thetrumpet.com, and it's on television. If you would like to watch it that way, you can check uh, the listings. They're at uh, thetrumpet.com. Very uh, popular program. Lots of people responding to it, so um, make sure you uh, watch that and then uh, get the literature that's offered there. Uh, to wrap up today's program, we wanted to continue to talk about this great reprint article at thetrumpet.com. It's free, as is all the material there. Uh, seven Keys to Understanding the Bible. This is from the Authority of the Bible. And, uh, like again, as even what we're talking about today, we reference the Bible <laughs> as the, the foundation for how would we think about these different topics. And so it's important to understand where the Bible gets its authority. And uh, part of that is understanding the seven keys to uh, understanding the Bible. And uh, we're going to talk about the third key today to understanding the Bible, which is God's dual method. There's a duality that runs all through every phase of God's plan, uh, material creation of Genesis 1, and then a spiritual creation, still in process, pictured finally uh, complete in the prophecy of Revelation 21 and 22. 
Uh, you have Adam first, then you have Christ after him, who becomes spiritual. When you look at the Bible and this prophecy as well, there's a, a duality that runs through that, and uh, that's a, a principle that has to be understood to understand the Bible. Yeah, and that, that really does change the way you look at pretty much everything in life when when you know that everything around you uh, physically is meant to be a type of something spiritually uh a big example is the physical family, and we've talked about that recently as well. Uh, the physical father pointing to God the Father or or even to uh, Jesus Christ as, as the head. And then you have um, the mother being the church. So there are a lot of great parallels like that that help you understand why we're going through what we're going through on the physical level. Yeah, and it, it ties in exactly to this crisis in the U.S. and in, in the West, I guess, with the family and the way that's being, well, it used to, we used to say redefined, now it's just being destroyed in every every way imaginable. Um, and if you go and you look at Ephesians there where, where uh, it's talked about the roles, how, how do men and women operate in a marriage? Like, how, what, the, what should they do? And then at the very end it says, look, I'm talking about Christ and the church here. You know, if you understand uh, how to how to have your roles properly in a marriage, then you can understand about how Christ and the church function. That's why marriage was made in the first place. It's a it's a duality principle, but most people don't understand that, and and if uh, or ignore it. And uh, so, if you look at uh, that example in particular of marriage, people are saying, "Well, why sh- why should we have marriage, or why should there be these roles?" And so they've cast all that to the side because they they think they have a better way. And then here we are, a few decades down the road in the uh, next big crisis of male-female relationships. and But they've gotten away from the whole point of why we have male and female at all, which is marriage, which is the God family. If we don't understand that duality, we are just, we're lost. Yeah, and think how uh, really destructive a lot of these different trends have been to marriage because so many people refuse to even get married now because of the possibility of, divorce or adultery that leads to divorce. And then once you get divorced, well, half of your stuff goes to the other person, no matter uh, who was the one being unfaithful. Uh, that's that's a big part of feminism as well, where I've, I've heard stories that um, even if the, the wife cheats on her husband several times and then gets divorced, well, she still gets half of his things, even though it was completely her fault for what happened. Or if she's unfaithful and then gets pregnant with the guy she was cheating with that, that guy, even if he divorces her still has to make child support payments. I mean, some of the most ridiculous things imaginable, uh, that have turned a lot of men away from marriage. They know that there are some abuses there that could take place. But if you have your mind, like, like we said on that spiritual parallel, how many men and women are going to be treating each other that way in marriage? If they know that it points to something much more important on a spiritual plane. Yeah, a lot of the situations that have come up uh, in the news recently, you you look a little bit at the background of some of the individuals that have been getting into these uh, these uh, problems, and <laughs> I don't know all the situations, but in a lot of cases, there's been a lot of family breakdown because they're on they've 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 been married and divorced multiple multiple times, um, and uh, so as as you begin to erode the the structure of what the family is or how it works. You know where where would you stop? Where would you say this is far enough? I, I you know I'm not going to break this next law. And once you start breaking them and the dominoes start falling, 
and the restraints are cast off, then yes, you end up with uh, all these different problems. But again, if you go back and you look at, at the duality principle of the Bible, that yeah, there's a physical family, but it points to something else, the spiritual family. That changes your entire thinking on how you're going to conduct yourself within the physical family. Yeah, very true. And another issue is a uh, hot button issue today is abortion. And if you think of the the physical to spiritual parallels there, well, life begins at conception. And the parallel is when you receive the Holy Spirit. And that is your beginning of spiritual life. You're not born into the spiritual family of God yet, but that's when your life begins. So as soon as the sperm cell and the egg combine, that is conception. That is the exact moment that life begins, just like when the Holy Spirit enters into someone's mind. That that would end the debate right there if people actually looked to what the Bible says, looked at the parallels, look at, looked at that principle of duality. There would be no more arguing about when you're allowed to terminate that what they say a, a fetus yeah it's so it's so amazing and it really it, it wouldn't probably shock any of us but in all these uh problems that have come up these uh controversies with people being fired for misconduct of various kinds you never hear satan mentioned i mean nobody even talks about that you know is there a devil does he exist well there's a lot about that at the trumpet um satan hates god's plan he hates god's family do you suppose <laughs> He is deceiving people away from true family and destroying it because he doesn't want them to understand the God family. Yeah, and like and like you mentioned to me after Matt Lauer got fired, um, a couple of those ladies were talking about how Christ heals. They'll mention Christ at a convenient time when maybe they should have been thinking about what he believes before the the problem took place, but they don't mention Satan. So Christ is mentioned a lot in the Bible, but so is Satan the devil. Why is it that we don't also bring him up? This would be a great time to bring him up. He is the one who is behind all these gigantic problems that we see today. Well, if you look in the Bible, God made male and female, and he said it's it's good. He didn't say, ah, well, those males, that's just a bad situation. <laughs> he said it's good. Satan's the one that comes along and says, oh, no, no, that's not a good thing. What about toxic, uh, <laughs> satanic activity? I was trying to think of a word that sounded closer to masculinity, but <laughs> what about that? What about talking about the, the toxicity of the way Satan influences things mm. and, and destroys things and comes as an angel of light and says, you know, hey, no, no, we need to really look at everything here and, you know, and reason this out. But they're getting away from the law of God. They're getting away from the principle of duality, which is, Physical family pictures God family. So when it's being attacked and destroyed, you can be sure to know where the ultimate author of that uh, destruction is coming from. It's coming from Satan. Well, I have some for you. Instead of toxic masculinity, we, we, we should be focusing on toxic fatherlessness or toxic pornography. Those are the things right. that are causing these, uh, these problems with uh, sexual improprieties. Whether it's consensual or not, we're... we're worked up into an outrage in society about uh, anything that is non-consensual, anything where one one party feels uncomfortable with the sexual encounter. What about where it's outside of marriage in general? There's no, there's no thought about that, and yet even physical marriage is a type of uh, the marriage between Christ and the church. Uh, and that, that's a type of marriage where you can't just decide I'm going to go from one church to the next and believe whatever doctrines I want to, you have to be following Christ as your head. You have to be totally faithful 
to him. There's there's no other relationship there. What is glamorized today? You can have as many partners as you want to. Maybe just don't uh, commit adultery when you're actually married. But even then, uh, just keep it a secret uh, so that you don't hurt your spouse. That That's the way that it's talked about now when if we thought about physical marriage on that spiritual plane, we wouldn't even have people being unfaithful, much less being predators. Yeah, that's right. The uh, There's a duality in that. If we can't be faithful in a physical life, uh, how are we going to be faithful to anything? If you can't, I mean, how are you going to be faithful to anything? And that's uh, an important question to ask. Uh, the principle of duality, it's the third key to understanding the Bible. And as you can see, when you really stop and think about this principle, and it's explained more in this reprint article, it applies to everything we're looking at today. It applies to all the headlines. It's not some out-of-date concept. It's, it couldn't be more uh, up-to-date. Make sure you get that reprint article, The Authority of the Bible. Listen for the uh, Key of David program and the uh, Trumpet Daily Radio Show, Trumpet Hour Week in Review as well this weekend. That's all the time we have on Trumpet Radio Live. For myself, Dwight Falk, and Grant Turgeon, have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you again on Monday. You're listening to Trumpet Radio, 101.3 KPCG.